Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour here. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky joined shortly by Jovan Buha from The Athletic. Of course, covers the Lakers. Covers the Lakers. Uh, covers the Clippers. No, he doesn't cover a winning team, Brian. No. Like He Nothing doesn't cover cool. a team that's still in the playoffs. Like a Western Conference Finals team? No. Yeah, he doesn't. Jo- Jovan doesn't cover one of those type of teams. Nope. I bet he wishes he did. Um, there he is. There he is. A guy who does not um, cover a team that is in the Western Conference Finals. And even more exciting, Jovan's mom. <laughs> Can we get Jovan's mom all the way there? It's Norma, Jovan's mom. Uh, can you hear us okay? We can't see yeah, you yet. I, yeah, I'm putting my grandson to sleep to bed. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you are. <laughs> well, if you wouldn't mind, you know, putting your grandson oh, somewhere yeah. else. Oh, hey, buddy. Say hi. <laughs> How are you? Hi. I'm. I'm not going to lie. We did not expect this, and and frankly, we both <laughs> neither did I. <laughs> we both kind of feel like heels, <laughs> to be totally honest. Doing this, I didn't realize but, the kid was going to have to stay up later because of this. We just thought it would be fun because the last time we had Jovan on, you jo- kind of joined the chat, and it was really kind of fun, uh, and we had a good time with it. And I was like, oh, maybe we should just see if she can pop on and say hi, like as the show gets going. And here you are. Um, you guys, I, I don't know how you know, last time you guys spoke was. Uh, Jovan, any messages for mom? You want to say hi? Uh, how, how is everything? We, we just spoke an hour ago, but okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, we, did, we didn't speak. He cut me off. Oh, uh, do tell. Really? Spill some tea. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm making dinner. Gotta no. go. Bye. No, no. You, you spoke I, I, to your mother like that with that I, tone? I'm going to go the athlete route and say no comment here. Wow, Jovan. <laughs> this is your mother. Like, this is the woman who raised you, Jovan. Well, now you know why he's the way he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I mean, seriously. Meanery's last points out, wow, Jovan. I, I, I mean, had to geez. eat, make dinner, get ready for the show, you know, do my I, hair. It was the priorities. It was the priorities. I mean, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's a love. He's he's very lovely. He wrote, "Sorry, mom." Actually, I have, "Sorry, mom." I had to get off. I had to get ready. He, he was actually. Very, I'm just okay. ribbing. I'm just being. Is, is there a fifth uh, phone or device that we can use to put the grandson on, like so we can have a fifth square? <laughs> we we are able to do that. We can we can put as many people. No, there's, like, there's only one. Sit here. Okay. How many were how many more relatives does Jovan have that we can <laughs> Hey. Hey, bud. How are you? Hi. Hi, Daddy. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Good. Tell me what you were playing today. I don't know. Soccer. Soccer. Did you get a goal? How many goals? Um, two. Two. <laughs> that is really uh, we'll good. Let everybody, we'll let everybody go to bed because you know people got to get you some never, sleep. You never <laughs> I'm getting put on blast here. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough beginning for you there, you. <laughs> All right, well, you. Thank you very much for joining. That was fun. Good night, everyone. Say good night. Nice good night. Nice meeting you. Nice, nice meeting, meeting you, you too. Have good manners. Thank you. Have a good sleep. 
Right. Thank you, Norma. Norma. Am I being signed off? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. unless the kid can put yeah. himself to bed. <laughs> like, oh, no, he can. He can. Uh, no, I thought it was going to be the Norma hour. What are we going to talk about? No, I'm very proud of my son. I really am. You should He's, be. He works harder than anyone I know. So Works harder um, than the team he covered in the last series. Oh! <laughs> No comment. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I like about Yovan is that. Is what? You only think what, Brian? Okay, you were cutting in and out, so we, we didn't hear you. Oh, he's Very close. pregnant pause. I get it. <laughs> I said this is a first. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're gonna have to get up. You're um, gonna have to get up and move to the to the better spot on your table where the internet yeah. actually works. Um, so anyway, Yovan Yovan Buha covers the Clippers for the Athletic, and I want to I want to set some ground rules before we start getting into this conversation because we know you know the largest chunk of our audience is definitely Laker fans, and Laker fans, I think it is safe to say, have enjoyed this premature Clippers collapse. And that means the jokes are going to be coming all over our chat. And we are all for that. And if the jokes are good, we will post those jokes. But we want to make something clear. Jovan covers the Clippers. Jovan does not actually work for the Clippers. He is not actually a Clipper. He did not play for the Clippers. Jovan did not collapse while covering these teams. Therefore... The joke should not be about Jovan. <laughs> they should be about the Clippers. So let's do all of this accordingly. Can, so, can, uh, I, can I say well, one thing to all the Laker fans? It's great, but it isn't over yet. We saw what Denver can do. So don't be making too many jokes just yet because the fat lady has not yet sung. Okay, now when you say we, Norma, do you say we as in we all saw this or we as in Norma the Laker fan? Like, I'm with you. I saw this. No, we as all of us. Okay, okay. Because it's, it's, it's to, you know, yeah, the Clippers lost, but that doesn't mean that Denver's not going to do the same thing to the Lakers that they did to the Clippers. And we'll, and we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Um, Okay, well, I'm going to let you guys go. <laughs> I love you guys so much. And we, were, so we were so excited that you followed us after the last show. So yeah, then, then <laughs> like, I kind of good. fell off because, you know, I had other things going it on. Happens. But I, okay. I commend your mom because look at this. How wonderful is this? So The next time she's in town, we'll get you guys together. Oh yeah, why don't we get like the next time you do Yova and get your mom and and then we'll we'll it'll be an all, a whole hour on on raising son. I don't know if our mom would actually do this. I, I think she'd be very, very nervous about coming on. I, I don't think she trusts us well enough not to steer her into trouble, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep Thank it open. Thank you so much for coming on and, and Thank you. And I'm, so, I'm sorry for too. taking up so much time. Say good night. No, no. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> All right, that was awesome. That was yeah, we fantastic. Didn't about that. Sorry, we just <laughs> it's all good. All right, so Jovan, I guess the first question everyone is wondering, like, what went wrong? Like, how did we end up here and not getting the Western Conference Finals that, quite frankly, we've been promised? 
Yeah, uh, I, I think it was a, a perfect storm for the Clippers in that, you know, I, I know uh, Laker fans were kind of making fun of some of the, the, the quotes post game, but I, I do kind of buy into the notion that this team kind of ran out of time. Um, and, you know, although um, there, there's been talks about, you know, Lakers were kind of a new team and, and, and some of these other teams, Miami had a bunch of new pieces. And um, I think you, you, you can, when comparing them to other teams, kind of fall into that. Uh, I, I do think the Clippers with PG missing, you know, 20 plus games with, with Kawhi on the injury management program, missing games here and there. Um, and, and then with them making some moves around the deadline and, and kind of reshuffling the rotation, like they had only had 10 games as this unit going into the hiatus. And, and then you you start the seeding games in Orlando and they had seven guys either arrive late or leave the bubble at some point, which I think was the, the most of any team. I mean, I, I know Denver had some injuries and, and some guys arrived late, but I'm pretty sure the Clippers had the most turnover in the bubble overall. Obviously, Lou Williams, you know, goes to Magic City. and uh, But but you had a guy in Montrezl Harrell, you know, sixth man of the year, miss a month due to his grandmother getting sick and eventually right. passing. And I, I just felt it, it, you know, all those things together, th- this team just never had the on-court reps that they should have at that point in the season. And look, part of that's bad luck. Part of that is on them for, you know, Doc has never been a heavy practice team. And, you know, they, they did have the injury management program for Kawhi. And they, they did sometimes, you know, if a guy was nicked up, maybe they wouldn't play him or, or put him back in a game. And I think all that, you know, those possessions, those minutes ended up adding up and costing them at the end. Because I think if you watched it, like they were right there. They had the 3-1 lead. They had double-digit leads in games five, six, and seven, but at, you know they just collapsed, and, and it was you know pretty jarring to see this team have no answer for what Denver was throwing at them. And, and frankly, to me, just looked like a group that you know sometimes at, at their worst they look like a team of five talented players that you would see at a pickup game, just kind of playing together, trying to figure it out on the court. And sometimes it worked because they had the talent, and sometimes it didn't. And, and ultimately. You know, Denver was the more resilient team. They, they never gave up in any of those games. And, you know, I, I think the Clippers just kind of collapsed and, and fell apart at the end. I mean, I, the Trez thing is, you know, it, it's I mean, it's hard because, like, you know, the, the, the lateness, too, like you said, was related to something just awful with his family. Does that account, do you think, for a lot of just how – relatively speaking poor he was compared to the regular season version or, you know you know what I mean by regular season yeah um yes I mean I, I do think you know wh- one of the things I had been saying since the preseason was I had concerns with sort of the structure of the team w- with regards to Trez and Lou um, because for as good as those guys were off the bench there was a reason they were coming off the bench and that was because they were relatively limited outside of their scoring. And, you know, with, with Lou, we, we know he, he's not a good defender. Um, you know, th- that's the main reason he's come off the bench for, for most of his career. And Matrez, um, you know, he, he can be this jolt of energy for you off the bench, but he's six foot seven. And, you know, he, he's a below average rebounder. Uh, he's not really a rim protector. So I always felt that looking at the closing lineups of, of you're in a close playoff game, seven, eight minutes left, who are the Clippers trotting out there? And if it's Lou and Trez, you have two defensive minuses out there. And for as good as Kawhi and PG and, and whoever that third guy is, you know, uh, Pat Beverly or Marcus Morris, whoever, like they could only do so much defensively. And I, I thought you saw that at times 
in the Dallas series, in the Denver series, and even in, you know, for example, that Lakers game uh, back in March, which feels like forever ago, like, you know, LeBron hunted Lou Williams, yeah. you know, he, he even kind of hunted Trez a little bit on the pick and roll. And you, you saw Dallas and Denver have effect, you know, be, be very effective with those actions. So I, I felt the Clippers, you know, too late kind of adjusted to, you know, benching those two guys at the end of games. You did see some more Vita Zubats in the playoffs. You saw some more Jermichael Green, uh, some more Pat Beverly. But I, I felt at that point, those two guys were so entrenched in the closing rotation that it, it was hard for Doc to just be like, I'm, I'm not going to roll with you guys. And, um, you know, he had limited Trez's minutes until game seven. Then all of a sudden he plays almost double the minutes of Zubats. And it was like, Zubats, frankly, was the Clippers' third or fourth best player in the bubble. Like he he had a kind of, you know, yeah, multiple great performance multiple double doubles. And um, so I, I do think to your point about Trez missing a month, he, he was not as explosive. He was not as athletic. Um, you know, the, the numbers, like he averaged 2.9 rebounds. Um, he, he was one of the worst defensive players in the playoffs. Like he, he, he was just not himself. And I do think the rebounding and defense would have been an issue, but then he just wasn't scoring. And, and without the scoring, you know, he just wasn't effective. One thing that was interesting to me, and it kind of occurred to me when, when the Clippers were, up 3-1, and they hadn't blown it all the way yet, but you could see the momentum starting to shift, and you could see Denver you know, really starting to look like they might be capable of pulling that upset. It kind of dawned on me that you know, the Clippers are obviously were a good but, team, and that was not a fluke. But that being said, like they had had these inconsistencies all season. They'd had a very disjointed season, guys in and out of the lineup. And there had been this benefit of the doubt given to them that there was this you know, switch that they could flip and another gear that they could get to that I understand why the benefit was there, but typically teams that don't have a template and, and they didn't have one like this group together don't get that type of benefit. Like I, Honestly, I think they got more of a benefit of the doubt in terms of a next level they could go to than the Lakers did even though the Lakers on balance were better than them all season. And I guess what I'm wondering is, A, do you think we all collectively misjudged that? And B, how much do you think inside the locker room they may have misjudged You know how attainable that next level was and how easy it was for them to get there? Well, I, I think hindsight is obviously 2020. So I think we did misjudge it. Um, you know, I, it's weird though, because, you know, I, I thought not enough was given to how good they actually were on paper. It wasn't just like an eye test thing of, you know, you, you have Kawhi, you have PG, you have Lou and Trez. Right. Like on paper, number two offense, number five uh, sure. defense. Um, you know, they had a better net rating than the Lakers. Lakers had the better record, they had a better net rating. Um, you know, and those have been traditionally markers you look at for a championship contender. And, you know, I, I, f I felt so they, they weren't as consistent by any means as, as the Lakers. But I, I felt when, when you saw them at their best, you know, they beat the Lakers a couple of times. They, they, they beat the Raptors, Celtics, Heat, yada, yada. They, they beat everybody. So um, I, I felt it was just like, can this team ever have that continuity and that that bill of health? And I, I do think in retrospect, they might have been one of the teams more affected by the hiatus. Going into the break, they were 10 and 1. You know, they were the right. hottest team in the league. The one loss was the Lakers loss. Right. But aside from that, you know, they steamrolled Denver by, by 30 at home. They went into Houston, 
beat them by 20. Like they were just, you know, blowing out everybody except the Lakers. So I, I think there's an alternate universe where maybe COVID doesn't happen. And, and that was my question. That was going to be my question. They, maybe yeah. they, they ride that momentum. You know, if, if I mean, again, everyone had to stay healthy, which was no guarantee with this team. But based on, you know, them being healthy at that point, the way they were playing, I think they finally were gelling and putting it together. You know, just the, the break happened and, and they, they had this campaign when the weight, um, you know, they, they sent all the workout equipment to all the guys uh, and they're having the, the weekly Zoom workouts and stuff. So like you kind of thought they would look like the heat do right now where, where you know, it looks like the heat were practicing every day during, uh, you know, the, the pandemic. But um, maybe they were. I mean, and, we and heard about all the secret Laker workouts, you know. And and again, and again, you know, you, you had uh, you know Pat miss time and get injured in the beginning of the playoffs. You, you did have Lou miss time. You had Trez miss time. Um, you know, Zubots, Landry Shamit, Marcus Morris, like all these guys arrived late to the bubble. So, I, you know, you don't want to put it on that, but you know, and some of those guys had COVID, and and you know, we're, we're still kind of figuring out what the effects of that actually were. So, I, you know. I, I'm not making excuses for them by any means. I, I just think when, when trying to diagnose it, I, I mean, yes, they choked. Like, I, you know, you, you can't deny that. But I think there were several factors that went against them that ultimately led to that. And the biggest one just being the continuity. Like, you know, one of the more interesting things was I, I think I, I don't I think they only had five lineups that played over 20 minutes this season, which is just like insane. I could be wrong on that um, uh, or, or maybe 50. 50 minutes somewhere. I mean, that, that, that is a big difference, but um, you know, if you actually look at like the lineup continuity and I, I think three of their five lineups featured players that aren't on the team or, or in the, the, the rotation. So like it, there just was a lack of, of continuity. And, and then at the end of the day, like I thought Kawhi clearly ran out of gas in, in the last two games, you know, game seven, um, you know, couldn't make a shot. He, he, there's that one clip of him going at Monte Morris in transition and, and he can't get by Monte Morris. And it's like, if you can't get by Monte Morris. What are we doing here? Like, so, um, and, and I think internally I, I would say yes, that there was um, like, I, I don't think the Clippers were necessarily as, as cocky as they were made out to be. You know, that was kind of the rep on them. I do think they're a confident bunch and there was an attitude of like, Hey, we don't even, you know, we don't need home court. We just need to be healthy by playoff time and we could beat anybody under any circumstance. Clearly that wasn't the case, but, um, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it, I guess probably, yes. Like again, in retrospect that they were probably a little bit overconfident, but I don't think it was as much as it, they were portrayed at times in the media. Okay. What do you, what do you think they feel? about because we have this question here uh you know because i i had that same kind of earth earth two question about what happens if there's no pandemic and, and they don't have to stop and this is kind of related to that from uh Manol, manoli monti who do you think won't be back next season do they try as much as possible just to with that in mind just to run it back and see if you can get continuity with the same group or do you think you need to make structural changes there it, it, it's interesting because we haven't seen this front office in this scenario yet. You know, we, we've mm -hmm. seen them in the building to a title contender mode and, and they've been very aggressive. You know, you, you look, they've made multiple trades each of the last three seasons. They've been one of the most active teams at the trade deadline. Um, so going off of that, like history kind of suggests, I feel like they will be aggressive and, while I, I again, I, I think there was some fluky elements to their collapse. I also think it exposed this team was not as deep a, as they were said to be, um, and, and I, I think some of that depth was not as flexible or versatile 
Um, mm-hmm. If you looked at it, really, their five best defenders were their starters, and and, and there was a big drop off from the starting unit right. to the bench in terms of defense. The the the, the bench what was very offensive heavy, but all those guys came up short in, in the bubble. So um, you know, really b- by the end of Game Seven, Doc was relying on five six guys. Um, and, and, you know, still playing as eight or nine, but you could only count on five or six of those. So to, to get to who I don't expect to be back, um, they, they have some, I, I mean, they don't have any cap space. So at, at best we're looking at, they don't have a ton of flexibility. They don't, and they don't have any picks. So really, you know, you're looking at, if you want to get something done, it's gotta be like Pat Beverly or Lou Williams, plus like Landry Shamit or Vita Zubats is like, an enticing young player, maybe depending on, on what you're using them for and, you know, kind of packaging two of those four to, to hope you can get like a role player upgrade. Maybe, um, uh, you know, they can't trade their pick till 2021. So, you, you know, you don't have any future picks to trade. I, I mean, I, I would say that I, I think depending on who they can get, like I look at someone like Goran Dragic right now uh, with, with the heat where he's a free agent and the Heat are, you know, looking at 2021 for Giannis. So if you're the Clippers, do you throw him a two or three year deal at the MLE and hope that Miami doesn't want to take on that money past next right. season? Um, and I think Goran Dragic is someone that would fit great. He could either replace Lou or, or replace Pat as the starter, move Pat to the bench, which I think Pat and Lou work well together. Um, so I, I think they're going to look at guys like, you know, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Soule, what's happening in Toronto. Could they maybe upgrade that Trez position? Um, you know, Jay Crowder is another guy who's going to be a free agent. Like the other thing is, this free agent class is not that good. So you know, no, he, bad. Trez is really one of the best. as much as Trez hurt himself in the bubble, he's still one of the best guys out there, no question. Yeah. So I, I suspect Marcus Morris is going to be a priority for them. They gave up a first round pick to, to get him. He was pretty good for them in the bubble. Kind of find found his way, found his groove. Uh, shot almost forty eight percent on threes in the playoffs. I think he's going to be back. I think Jermichael Green, who has a player option for $5 million, could get more than that and, and might opt out. If he does, I expect them to re-sign him. I think where it gets tricky is, is Trez. And, and it, his value is kind of in the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, Some conversations I just reported today on The Athletic that um, some people I was talking to were saying they kind of peg him in that 8 to $12 million range, which is a far cry from December. I, I reported he was looking at maybe $20 million annually, 18 wow. to $20 million. Uh, d- depending wow. on, the, I mean, would have been a smaller market team, probably a shorter term contract. But, Damn, though. I mean, he, he was looking like a, if you were looking at Whoa. the Asian class, I, I, you know, I get it, but I mean, like twenty oh, I mean, mil for a six Whoa. man, like that's a lot. I, I think at the time his value was was higher clearly than it was now, you know. But but oh, you know, well, no, but I mean, even at his peak, like twenty mil for Montrez Harrell sounds like a lot. I mean, he's he's better he's than he was. Blessed, in the bubble. That just that just feels like the kind of deal that. Two hours after you sign it, like, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Well, it's, it's, I don't, think, it, I don't think it's happening now. I don't yeah. think it's. Ha- I don't think that's happening now. But um, you know, I I think one of the more interesting things you have to answer if you're the Clippers is Doc Rivers said the Dallas series was not really a Trez series, um, and that their length, Porzingis, Boban, Maxi Kleba, you know, that, that was a tough series for him. He kind of implied the same thing with the Denver series and, and, you know, reduced his minutes until game seven. So I'm just looking at it like, what is going to be a Trez series in the West? <laughs> is, it, is it Anthony Davis? Is it Rudy Gobert? Like, if you look at the guys they're going to have to go through. Houston. It, 
I mean, Houston, yeah. I mean, Houston, Houston could offer I mean, them. But, yeah. you know, you, you got Anthony Davis. You got Rudy Gobert. You got Nikola Jokic. You got Kristaps Porzingis. You got, you know, maybe Minnesota makes a jump, and now you got Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs. Like, the West is loaded with elite centers. And, you yeah, know, for all if, the talk of the death of the center, like, the right. West has some guys to deal with in the middle. So, I, yeah, and I'm just like, okay, so if if you're concerned about his playoff matchups right now, are you willing to commit a multi-year deal at, at probably somewhere in that 10, 12, 13 million range? And can he close and be, because I, I think one of the things is, you know, maybe you readjust his role a little bit and say like, Hey, you know, Zubats is our closer now, or Jermichael Green's our closer now. And we're, we're going to kind of switch it up, but I don't know if he goes for that. Like he could probably get similar money elsewhere and have the same or even a bigger role potentially depending on the team. Um, so I, I think if you're the Clippers, you really have to take a long, hard look at, you know, what does Trez look like around Kawhi and PG? Is this an aberration? I think it was offensively, but I think right. the rebounding and defense are always going to be concerns. And had they played the Lakers, I think, you know, it, you would have seen similar things. Really, really quick, just because we were talking about uh, Harold, this is an interesting question, I think, actually, that I, I would imagine teams would be thinking about across the league if you're interested in him as a free agent that I think is really unique to Harold himself. What is he like without Lou Williams? Hmm. I mean, because he, when the Clippers got him as part of that deal, I mean, from everything I heard, they liked his potential. But I don't know. There was not an expectation that he would have this type of impact that he's had with the Clippers, and he had this this type of impact and this type of chemistry, very specifically with Lou. And I, if nothing else, I think that's a, sort of an interesting question that GMs around the league would have to think about. And, 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 you know, Doc has actually said they were thinking of cutting Trez after they, they got him in that deal and, and that it, it took them a couple of scrimmages to see what he could do. And, and they had those, you know, open runs during the summer and they were like, this guy can play. Like, I don't know why Houston wasn't playing him. And, and um, you know, you, you do look at like kind of Houston and what ended up happening there. And it was like, imagine if they had Trez and, and, and Lou and Pat and how good, you know, they've been for the Clippers, but, I think to your point, um, this season we did see Trez branch out a bit from Lou. Um, you know, the last two seasons they were very tethered together, and uh, you know their minutes were not as tethered this year. You, you did see instances in which Trez was the closing five and Lou wasn't on the floor, and him still be effective. Um, you know, he ran pick and rolls really well with Kawhi and PG. Uh, so I, I do think you know while they do have this special chemistry. Um, they kind of even lost it this year, to be honest. Like if you look at, hmm. um, the, you know, the, the, their pick and roll points per possessions, like it was not the same as the last couple seasons. And it really got negated in the postseason. They had no pick and roll right. play together. So, um, and, and, you know, that brings me to Lou, who I think is the other one that you have to look at. And, you know, average, uh, you know, 12 points a game, uh, you know, shot 26% on threes. And, and this is not an aberration for him where, if you look at his playoff career, yep. 12 points a game, three assists, 39% shooting, 25% three-point yep. shooting. Eight, you know, I, I just wrote about like eight, eight out of nine years has, has decreased in points, has decreased in assists, decreased in three-point percentage. Like this is a thing with Lou where teams will put guys 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", on him. They'll bother him, and he's just not been as effective. So if you're kind of putting him as your third guy or third or fourth guy, like – I, I think you have a ceiling there and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know that he, he can be that effective. And 
Um, again, he was a guy who missed time in the bubble. So I don't know how much of it was that, but when you just look at his track record, he has not been good in the playoffs. Like last year, he was the go-to guy. It was a little bit different, although he had some wild home road splits. I, I don't know if you remember that in that series. Like he was terrible at Staples, but really good at Oracle. And that's why they won two games there. But they have good wings uh, out in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, I, you know, for, for me, I, I do think it's probably time for them to move on from Trezor Lou. Um, I would strongly consider moving on from both, but uh, I, I think that might be too big of a shock for their their culture, their ecosystem. Like it might not be realistic to move on from both, but I do think that having two, you know, offensive guys who, who can be limited because of their size and don't provide much on the defensive end as, you know, two of your top four guys, I, I just don't think, you know, if, if you look at the Lakers makeup, you look at the Nuggets, you look at the the Heat, you look at the Celtics, like they don't have those types of guys really. I guess Kemba is like the one exception, but but he's an all-star level scorer. So, you, you know, that, that's kind of an exception there. But I, I just – so I, I think the Clippers have to look hard at the roster. I, I think they're close. Obviously, again, you know, we're, sure. we're top five in, in multiple things and um, we're right there. But I, I do think they're going to have to make some tweaks. Um, all right. So you, you, you <laughs> no, know. The answer, uh, by the way, Mohizi, yeah. dang, I'm late. Did I miss all the lemon pepper Lou jokes? We've got time. Yeah, uh, gonna be de- <laughs> yeah, I mean, throw them all out. It, it, it'll be fine. We, 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 we will never get bored with lemon pepper Lou. So I mean, by all means, throw them out. Would ever, will ever get bored with lemon? Like, I've never seen a guy who just didn't seem to care about like the jokes and the memes and stuff. He's like, I, it's fine. You gotta, no, Lou it. seemed to have no regrets whatsoever about that decision to go to Magic City. I, I like, mean, Lou Williams has had people making fun of him or making jokes about a lot more exotic stuff than where he gets his lemon pepper wings. I mean, this is not new for him. Lou is pretty comfortable being Lou. <laughs> he's very he is among the most comfortable athletes in his own skin i've ever seen i don't i don't worry about lou getting too self-conscious about these things Um, no lou might come into the chat and make some of the jokes like i really don't think he cares so you know obviously you know the clippers were up 3-1 the lakers are up 2-1 but if you look at it the lakers have been I, you know, Denver's been the better team for the last, you know, five quarters, six quarters, throw out a little part of the fourth quarter in game uh, two, you throw out part of the fourth quarter in game in game three. You've seen how this movie ended for the Clippers, and you've seen what the, the Nuggets are starting to do, at least. Of like, should the Lakers be concerned with what's happening, you know, trend-wise? I, a little bit. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm at, like, concern level three, or, or or four like I not that high. Um, I, I do. Say, how many numbers does it go up to? <laughs> it goes up to four. Because um, <laughs> I mean, like DefCon five, we're close. Yeah, I'm mean, at a ten. Um, okay, so okay. I would say that the two things that Denver ha- has done that I've noticed. Um, you know, I, I've watched all three games. Um, th- they've really packed the paint on the Lakers shooters, and that was something they did against the Clippers of. Um, e- even guys that were above average shooters, they were kind of like, we're going to dare you to burn us and, and we're going to load up the paint um, and-, and really put all our attention on Kawhi and PG. And then in this case, LeBron and AD. Um, so I do think they've been more effective defensively in the half court. And-, and you've seen the Lakers have more success, obviously getting out in transition, forcing turnovers when they went zone um, in-, in that second half there, you know, fourth quarter. Um, and the other thing is, I, I think, 
the Jokic Murray pick and roll. Like it, it, it seemed to get stronger yeah. in the Clippers series where, you know, you, you saw them kind of throw different looks at, at the nuggets and it was like, they kind of knew what the Clippers were doing be, before they did it. And they had an answer for everything. And I feel like that's what I've kind of noticed so far in this series is uh, again, like kind of game one was a feel out process, but game two and three, they've looked a lot more comfortable running that. And, you know, with the way Jokic is shooting, that's kind of been the thing that's changed that because he, he was a capable three point shooter, but now that he's shooting mid forties on threes, it's like, he's basically Dirk out there offensively. And with, with that guy popping, um, you know, it, it is really hard to defend that action. So, you know, one thing that the Clippers did, I think too late in the series was switch off Avita Zubats and put uh, Kawhi or, or PG or, or Marcus Morris on Jokic and then have that guy switch on to Murray and, and just switch that action and, and kind of hope you don't get burned. Um, you know, with AD, the Lakers obviously are, are pretty well equipped to, to do a bunch of things defensively and he could switch on to Murray. But, you know, maybe you look at putting um, LeBron or, or uh, Kyle Kuzma or someone like that, uh, Markeith Morris on Jokic to switch that action and, and just kind of stick with Murray. Because if you give them an opening, Murray's pulling up, Jokic is popping into, you know, seven feet away to a wide open three. Like they've been in such sync right now that I just think the Lakers got to figure that out defensively because that's, that's only going to get worse. I think. Yeah, they've been really willing uh, for a while to switch whatever with Jokic. I mean, you'll you'll see like KCP or Caruso or guys who are you know considerably smaller than Jokic, and you know at times they've been able to get away with it, and I think they've timed their doubles really well and and have scrambled and recovered well. But I think what really starts opening it up for trouble for the Lakers with Denver is when you see Jamal Murray in playmaking mode on on top of the other things, like and you've got. I saw somebody in the chat uh, talk about this yesterday when we were going uh, wrapping up the game with Matt Moore. You essentially have two point guards on the floor, like two really good point guards who are multi-threat point guards. I mean, it's it's essentially like picture LeBron running a pick and roll with LeBron. Like that's really really difficult to try to guard. And I'm, I'm not saying Jokic and Spider-Man meme style. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that Jokic and Murray are. At that type of level, but they can give you a lot of trouble when both of them are really looking to pull out all facets of their game. Hey, Tanya. Tanya's here. Tanya Ganguly. We could send her the code and just keep inviting. We had Tanya may not know. We uh we had Jovan's mom on earlier. So we're just people are just popping on to the broadcast. But yes, Tanya, this is how you invade the broadcast like David. And, and she brought by the way, Jovan's mom brought in a small child. And I mentioned this just because it trumps Perhaps, at least to some people, Tanya bringing in her dog. Like, depending on whether you're a bigger fan of dogs or kids, Ta Tanya might have gotten one upped. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Tanya. Hi, Tanya. This is a you know, this is a big hangout for media people. Um, yeah, you know, yeah like, McMenamin's popped like in. The we're the hotel of the <laughs> JW Marriott. Um, you know, you you come here to get your points. Uh, I, the, the thing that's scary, I, I had the Lakers in six, Andy had the Lakers in six. I think everybody basically had the Lakers in six. It's like the safest number. The thing that scares me, though, is like if, if you get into a seventh game with Denver, just because Joel Murray can go nuclear, like you can play a fairly impeccable defensive game 
against Murray. And like what the Jazz saw was that he's, you know, there are going to be nights when he's standing four feet inside half court and just bombing three pointers and there's nothing you can do about it. And so I, I think that's the part. And I don't think the Lakers are, you know, complacent. They're look past him, but like, you do kind of need to get out of this series without giving Denver a chance to eliminate you um, because they've got that thing almost even more than like you worry about Kawhi going nuclear, Paul George going nuclear. Like it's a different kind of deal with a pure flat scorer like Murray. I think that's that would be the thing that scares me a little bit. He, he, he did it in game seven against the Clippers. He, he had 40 yeah. points and, and, you know, with their season on the line, they're throwing Kawhi at him. They're throwing PG at him. They're throwing Pat Bev at him. And and he torched all of them, you know, and, and uh, I think, you know, we, we, I think Jokic obviously is, is, is special and then he's kind of playing himself into that top seven, top five conversation. But, he's but so Murray, Murray is the guy that really raises their ceiling just because it's like, you know, Jokic was kind of already at that level or, or close to it. Murray's the guy who's ascended now. Where, where now, you know, he hasn't been an All Star yet, uh, but now he's playing, you know, in that. I don't want to say Steph, but like maybe that kind of Dame Kyrie level mm-hmm. in these playoffs. And and you know, have had we known he was going to play like that, I, I think people would have looked at Denver much differently. Well, yeah, because to this point, it's been how did you pay Jamal Murray that much? You can't pay. He's not that good. He's a second tier guy. He's a, nobody says that anymore. Um, I think he has ascended. Uh, are you, are you at all surprised that Denver's outplayed the Lakers in you know, the last, I mean, really I'd say if they, if Anthony Davis doesn't hit the, you know, the, the buzzer bitter buzzer beater, then the Lakers are losing. I, I think as the underdog, that's the backbreaker, right? Like, you know, if, for the Nuggets, I, I think to win this series, they kind of had to win that game too. Like that, that's the game. That's one of those right. games you have to get. Like any chance you have when you're the the heavy underdog, I think you, you got to win. Um, I, a little bit. Like I, I do think that um, you know one one of the bigger things that surprised me in the Clippers series was you know si- similar to the Dallas series, it was on paper okay, you know. Dallas has the best offense of, of all time, uh, but defensively they were 18th in the league in defense and they just couldn't stop the Clippers. And on paper, Denver was 15th in, in defense and it was going to be kind of a similar thing where I was like, okay, Jokic and Murray are going to be tough to game plan for, you know, they're, they're going to get theirs offensively, but defensively, I mean, Jokic is not really a rim protector and, you know, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, solid defenders, Paul Millsap, like they, they have some defensive pieces, but you know, they are kind of playing two guys that you can attack in, in, in Jokic and Murray on the other end. And that just hasn't been the case. You know, they've done a really good job game planning, packing the paint, uh, controlling the glass. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think defensively is, is where they've probably surprised me the most because, I, again, um, you know, I know AD has been really effective. LeBron's had his triple doubles. But um, aside from those two, like, I, I think they have done a really good job of limiting yeah, the other Lakers. Last year had moments where they started to build up. And then earlier this year, had so they really just – they hit a wall defensively where they got much worse, mm-hmm. lead, you know, whatever it was, a 15, 20-game stretch going into the bubble. And then once they got there, but at the beginning of the year, part of what made them so competitive and made them seem like they were different was that, oh, the Nuggets, not they can score, but now they're also playing defense. Um I just I think the West becomes fascinating because you're right the Clippers are going to be good again. It's not like they're going anywhere. And then 
you know, Dallas is is absolutely up and coming. Denver can still get better. The Lakers aren't going to get, you know, worse with what they've got. I, the only team that really is sort of stuck that you look at and say is, is Houston. But, you know, Utah was playing this without Bogdanovich and Donovan Mitchell's getting better. Like, it's not going to get any easier in the, in, in the West going forward. I think the Warriors are going to be back next oh, year. Oh, right. And I always forget that. Like, I I, I would put they them right there with the two LA teams, honestly. Like, I mean, we'll see how they build out the rest of the roster. But, I, you know, if Steph is Steph again, which, you know, we haven't seen him without KD in a few years now. Um, you know, we got to see what, what shape Clay is in and, and Draymond. And, like, you know, they are kind of some unknowns there. Those guys have now entered their early 30s. But if those three are back to being, you know, 2016 version or close to that, like, you know, that team, even with compromised depth, um, I, I think is right there. Yeah, I mean, the, the Thunder are one of the only high-profile teams that really could end up getting considerably worse because it looks – they're signaling like they're going in the blow-it-up direction, in the, like a full rebuild. But just about everybody else is, if nothing else, looking to get better in the West. I mean, they're really in any – I can't think of any other team – that doesn't seem like they're actually looking to get better as opposed to, you know, just doing some version of the process or whatever. A uh, question from Trojan Williams. Is this the best Kuzma we get in the series? I vote yes. It depends on how you define best, but in terms of the scoring, I don't know, man, we're three rounds into this thing and Kuzma has not been the scoring presence that if nothing else, he's got the reputation for being. I mean, his, you know, his scoring this year has been inconsistent up and down anyway, but he's always been thought of as that that guy who in theory could be the prototypical third banana on a championship team. And he's done some really good things defensively. And, you know, he's been playing hard and he's I think he's often been playing smart and active, but the scoring isn't there. And I just I wonder if it I, I guess I question whether or not it's coming throughout these playoffs at all. Like if it hasn't arrived now, it could st- it could still get there, but you know, he hasn't hit any type of consistent groove even just over a couple games. Yeah, and I wonder if it's affecting him at all because I I don't remember exactly how much time was left. It was like 2 or 3 minutes left in the game last night. Um he has that open 3 on the right wing. And, and kind of, you know, catches the ball, is wide open, hesitates a bit, kind of looks at it, like almost pump fakes no defender, and then goes up, shoots it, and misses. And it was like, that's a shot you just got to take in rhythm. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've seen him do that before. But, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if, if some of the offensive struggles have, have kind of gotten to him a little bit, because that's just a shot that you're overthinking, you know, not confident in. Um, and, and, you know, Kuzma is a confident player. I mean, we've seen that for sure. So... Maybe um, he wears that mesh outfit that he wears. <laughs> a confident person. <laughs> it's like him and Wright said Fred. <laughs> I remember those guys used to run around in those mesh, <laughs> the mesh tops, like the netting tops. Like yeah. it's basically those guys in coups. And you're, again, well, you got to be confident. You know what the B side for the "I'm Too Sexy" single was by Wright said Fred. This is great. No, it was it was I'm too sexy in Spanish. <laughs> um, they, they just said, you know what? We're gonna run it back. <laughs> <laughs> when you got a hit, double down. <laughs> yeah, right. Soy 
ton sexy came in. I, I mean, I, you know, and it was just, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It, it was brilliant and incredibly lazy at the same time. And <laughs> I, I, I respect it deeply. It was also them, I think, in on the joke. I think Wright said Fred realized, you know what? We have peaked right out of the gate. It's not getting any better. Let's ride it out. Like, let's, if, if it ain't broke, and there really is no other way to fix it better. Let's just do that. We got this wave we're riding. Yeah, I mean, that was the wave. There, there was no other way for right said Fred other than I'm too sexy. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, what's that guy's name? Like, band that, uh, it doesn't matter. But like, they were not self-serious. They did not believe, they, they did not believe, they weren't Nickelback. They didn't take themselves entirely too seriously for what they were. Um, so I respected rights, but right said Fred. Anyway, somebody had a point to make. I forget what it was. <laughs> Kuzma, Kuzma, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see it coming around. I, I could be wrong. I, I could be totally wrong, but I don't see it coming around. This is this is the question I think you know from Mohizi. Do you package Kuz, um, you know, and send him somewhere to a team that really could use him in the way that? at the very least that Kyle Kuzma envisions himself being used as a primary or at the very least a number two scorer. He's shown the ability to play a little bit of defense in, in the bubble, which I think helps him a lot. And if you're one of these teams that thinks given an opportunity that he could score, he's the only guy with any kind of real trade value. He's tricky to trade because he had to make a lot of money, but let's set, set aside the sort of the caponomics of it. Almost like the Lakers or the Clippers might want to think about moving Trez moving Lou to try to get better. Do you move Kuzma? Because clearly they don't need Kuzma to do that third score thing for them to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it just kind of depends on what you can get, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's confident. Uh, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is from the bubble. <laughs> this is actually from oh, the look, bubble. I would be confident too if I was dating him. I'm just, you know, I mean, it's fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I would say I, I wonder if at this point he might be more valuable to the Lakers than another team. And it kind of just depends. I mean, maybe some other team thinks there's untapped potential there offensively that you can unlock. And, um, you know, maybe you, you feature him as your second or third guy more heavily uh, and, and you can kind of unlock that. But, I, I think honestly, you know, he, he was kind of the, the, the guy that, the, I mean, I know it's a different reporting on it, but it sounded like he was the guy that the Lakers really wanted to keep in like the AD trade or, or one of the guys. Um, mm -hmm. And they were kind of making certain guys untouchable or didn't really want to include them. And um, so I, I think, I, I just wonder if maybe he has more value to them and, and they're better off just riding this out and kind of seeing, because he clearly has talent, right? Like, oh, he, yeah. You know, if, even if he's not the scorer that we kind of envisioned he could be, um, I, I still think he's a talented player. And, um, you know, those, if he does end up being kind of a three and D wing with maybe some off the dribble, you know, skill, and that's kind of like ultimately his role, uh, that's still a valuable player, uh, right? In his game. So it, it just kind of, he's not, there's, you know, the, the score, this, and I mean, all these other things. The part of the problem is he just can't be that here. And, you know, everybody, like when he has these great games when AD's missing or LeBron's missing, everybody says, you know, look at that. He's, but like, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good Kyle Kuzma is when LeBron and AD aren't on the floor or aren't, you know, playing because they're going to be playing when they play in the playoffs and play 
important series. All that matters is how can you play when you're with those two guys? And, you know, it, to his credit, I think Kuz has really embraced doing whatever it is that you need to do to win in the playoffs and help how he can. But it's it's not the role that, in theory, he's supposed to be playing. So I, I, I think you can find value for him. He's a little older than people think, and he's about to get paid, which I think is the biggest problem. But... I it just uh, he's not needed to do what he wants, uh, you know, in 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 LA. He just he just isn't. And as an aside, uh, Andy, this is our third week with the relaunch show. Uh, third or fourth, something. Third like that. or fourth, something like that. We have not had a background that works better for our late night happy hour watermark than Jovan's hair. <laughs> it really pops. <laughs> Jovan with a haircut. You you said that you got one recently. I, was this today? today? It was today. I mean, coincidentally, I felt like last time, even though I won the hair competition, it was not my best effort. You so smoked it. Time, what are you talking about? You didn't just win. I, I did, but I wasn't happy with my hair at that time. So I hadn't gotten a haircut in two, three months. Uh, so I had to come with a fresh cut. Very, it's a very Kobe-esque reaction. <laughs> but I'm still not happy with the way that I well, won, and therefore I, you know, I need to do better. Well, I mean, it also it also speaks to the way that, like, even if the entire voting population finds you dreamy with the hair, if you don't feel dreamy, none of it matters. Like, I mean, ultimately, exactly. if you don't see yourself the way those voters see you. Then it's all empty. It's it's all just hollow. The victory that that you experienced, Yova. I I feel. I mean, I feel bad that you weren't able to enjoy it, but I also feel good that the results ultimately prompted you to find the hair that you want. So it, it was. It worked out well. It was bittersweet. The victory. All I know is that when this pandemic is over, Yovan and Paolo Jetty from The Ringer are going to fight. <laughs> well, and, and poor. Uh, Pedro Mora. I felt oh. like Pedro in Pedro because he was so early. Right. Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Do the Cam brothers feel dreamy with their hair? Shut up, Ray. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, back in the day, oh god, I certainly no. did. <laughs> I certainly did feel dreamy back in the day. Look at that. Look at that, Jovan. That that's oh, amazing. That really was. Uh. Ah, oh, younger days. Cautionary tale, Yovan. It is a cautionary uh, tale. Be right. grateful for what you have. So I have a game. You guys want to play a game? Yes. Sure. All right. Yovan, uh, Yovan Buha covers the Clippers, of course, for The Athletic. Does a spectacularly good job. Um, and you should always be reading his coverage. It's fantastic. Are they, are they still doing the thing with uh, the dollar subscription? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a dollar, people. I know times are lean and it's a pandemic. You can, it's a dollar. You really should. I mean, it's great, great sports writing for a dollar. You might even see Kamenetsky brothers there every once in a while. Um, but so go sign up for that. He covers the Clippers. Uh, we, we cover the Lakers. Now I have a game and it's, this is not who is, has more. It's who is higher on their own team's respective all time list. So I would say points. Kobe Bryant or whoever leads the Clippers in points all time. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And you would say Kobe Bryant. Like I would say like that guy. So Kobe's number one. I'd say somebody who's number like three on the other team. So here's one for minutes. You tell me who is higher on their team's all-time list for minutes. Okay. Could be a tie. Could be a Laker. Could be a Clipper. Here we go. 
ties are a possibility. Ties are a possibility. <laughs> Again, we're not talking about quantity. We're talking about their placement on the all-time list. They could okay. go okay. number four. Okay, so basically not just right number four versus number four. Correct. Not Even if number four on one team has like 5,000 exactly. more minutes. Okay, exactly. got it. All right. There you go. Minutes. Byron Scott or Loy Vaught? Who is higher on their team's all-time top 10 list in minutes? Byron Scott or Loy Vaught? Do, do, do we just blurt it out? or Well, each of you can guess. Okay, I'll say Loy. Andy? It's got to be Byron Scott. The answer is Loy Vaught. <laughs> what? Uh, Loy Vaught is sixth all-time on the Clippers in minutes with 15,600. Okay, I did this wrong in my head. I did this wrong in my head. Nobody so stays on. with the Clippers long enough. <laughs> there you go. All right. Three-pointers. Okay. That's what makes this tricky. <laughs> Three-pointers. Nick Van Exel or Chris Paul? Who is higher on their team's all-time list for three-pointers? Nick Van Exel or Chris Paul? Andy, you go first this time. I am going to say... Playing, by the way. If Tanya's going play, to say... Yeah, Tanya, if you're still here, you can play. Like like McMenamin did like last McMenamin time. Did. That's right. Um, I'm going to say Chris Paul. Okay. Same. The answer is Nick Van Exel. Nick Van really? Exel, third all time on the Lakers' three point list. Was I wouldn't have thought that they took enough threes. That's with- what I thought. Yeah. Chris Paul is fourth with 618. Okay. Uh, Jovan still leads one near one to zero. Assists Kareem Abdul Jabbar or Ron Harper? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Ron Harper? Who is higher on his team's respective all-time assist list? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Ron Harper? Jovan. I'll go Ron Harper. Andy? I'm calling bullshit if it's not Kareem. <laughs> it's a tie. They're both sixth. Ah. Kareem has 3,652 assists. Ron Harper, 1,463. But it's a tie. Jesus. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like what you have to do to rise the ranks in the Clippers versus the Lakers? I mean, there's come one on, guy, man. one guy in 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 uh, history where the Clippers has played ten seasons. I with, know, and he ain't there anymore. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, DeAndre is the only guy who lasted a decade. So, you know, we're, this is what we're dealing with here. Turnovers: James Worthy or Corey Maggette. Andy, James Worthy or Corey Maggette, who is higher on his team's all-time list for turnovers? I'm going to say Maggette. Yovan, it is Corey Maggette. So two to one. Uh, James Worthy at 1,859. That ranks him fourth. Corey Maggette is number two all-time Clippers. Steals, Derek Fisher or Elton Brand? Derek Fisher or Elton Brand? Andy. Fish. Same. The answer is Derek Fisher. Uh, Fish is seventh. Elton Brand is ninth. We all remember Michael Oluwakandi, the kid, yeah. one of the greatest first-round picks of all time. University of the Pacific, baby. That's right. Best uh, basketball player they've produced. Michael Oluwakandi versus Eldon Campbell. The category is blocks. Michael Oluwakandi or Eldon Campbell. The category is blocks. Jovan, you go first. Oof. Uh, I'll go Ola Candy. Eldon. Eldon Campbell, absolutely. In a walk. Ola Candy was sixth, 527. Eldon Campbell, third. Uh, 
1,000. Oh, God. Do you know how bad you have to be blocking shots to be 7-1 and not be higher with the Clippers? <laughs> Jesus. I, I'm surprised Elden was that high on the list. <laughs> <laughs> with, with how many big men the Lakers have had? Like Oluwa Candy should be ashamed I, of himself. I was about that for me too. But he he was there longer than you think, and that was I know of, that's part of my point. Yeah. <laughs> like Jesus. No, I mean Elvin. All right, I have to admit this. I loved this category so much. I included two triple doubles: Jerry West or Ron Harper. Who is higher on their team's list, Jerry West or Ron Harper? Andy, you go first. I didn't even know they kept triple doubles in Jerry West uh, West Day. Um, I'm gonna say Jerry West. Uh, I'll go Ron. It is Ron Harper. Ron Harper is fifth all time uh, with for the Clippers. He he has three. Jerry West has. That's it. Right. So uh, one more for Jovan. The bonus question in triple doubles, Julius Randle or Jeff McInnes? Julius Randle or Jeff McInnes? <laughs> uh, I know Jeff McInnes had the one good assist the year with the Clippers. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Julius Randle or Jeff McInnes, who had more career triple doubles? Who was higher? Uh, no, it's not true. Who is higher on his team's respective uh, all-time list? I'll go Julius. I think it's Julius too. Julius Randle had uh, his ninth for the Lakers. He had five triple doubles. Really impressive. Jeff McInnes is seventh. He had one. He is tied with 16 other Clippers (laughs) (laughs) with one. Uh, All you needed to do is get one with the Clippers, and you are (laughs) vaulted into the top. Again, Michael Olawakandi should be ashamed of himself. (laughs) Really. Is one of my favorite statistics of all time. If you have a triple double, you are tied for seventh all time in triple doubles for the Clippers organization. I'm going to tweet that out in just a moment. Um, all right, so it is four to three, Jovan over Andy. The good news is this last question is worth 11. Wow, yeah, I know. Okay, random, random. okay. <laughs> Free throws, Magic Johnson or Randy Smith? Magic Johnson. This is makes or percentage? Just uh, makes, free throw makes. Who has had more, who made more free throws? (laughs) I'm sorry, who's higher on their team's all-time list? (laughs) Oh, actually, I will do that when we're done. George Sedano, I'm eighth on the Clippers' (laughs) all-time triple-double list. Uh, I mean, that is truly one of the most stunning statistics I have ever seen. If you have a triple double, you're in the top 10. That's shocking. I love it. I'll I'll go Randy Smith, just keeping and picking the Clippers. Magic. Oh, it's going to be a big win for Jovan. Jovan wins 15 to 3. <laughs> 15 to 3 as, uh, the answer is Randy Smith. He was third. Somebody requested who are the other guys. Here are the all-time t- uh, triple-double leaders for your Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I, will give, I will give you, Andy, $1,000 if you can tell me uh, one of the all three guys who, who lead. I will um, write you a check right now. Don't look top- at Top three for the Clippers? Yeah, the guy, the, the three guys who lead. Odom? I can give you two. Lamar Odom and Blake Griffin. I, I just said Odom. Third. 
You didn't even I, need to give I it to walk me. So over to your house right now and give you a thousand dollars. Okay, well, I said Odom, so I feel like you should give me another I'm one giving because you both I said... of Lamar Odom and Blake Griffin. Lamar Odom and Great Blake Griffin. The third would be Bob Kaufman. Bob <laughs> Kaufman. <laughs> Sounds like somebody you meet was, at high holiday services. I was going to say, is, is, he, is he the Clippers rabbi who like <laughs> doubled as their point guard? Like, Answer, Bob. no idea who that is. <laughs> Again, that's a very Clippers. The all-time leading Clippers uh, triple-double guy is a fella named Bob Kaufman. Uh, here we go. Uh, those guys have seven each. Mark Jackson is tied for fourth uh, at four. Ron Harper at three. Chris Paul is... Uh, had two, he wow. is six, and here are your tied for seventh with one. Bob Kaufman only played four <laughs> years with the Buffalo Braves. That was enough. Although pretty good. I've never heard of this guy. Really he, he, had a season, he had a season where he averaged 20, almost 11 rebounds and four and a half assists. This guy was no joke. This That's is when he was racking up the triple, <laughs> the five triple doubles. Yeah, we'll give you Brian a thousand dollars right now if you can tell me Bob Kaufman's nickname. <laughs> the coffee man. I don't know. What is horse, it? horse, and Ajax. Nice. Yeah. That was yeah. I, I Bob Kaufman. Um, anyway, so here are your tied for seventh: Ken Norman. Elton Brand, Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Manning, Baron Davis, Benoit Benjamin, John Shoemate, Jeff McInnes, Andre Miller, Gary Grant, Pooh Richardson, Derek Anderson, Steve Blake, Swen Nader, love a good Swen Nader, and uh, Michael Brooks. There you go. I remember the Steve Blake triple-double. That, that was a big thing that put him on the Lakers' radar when they signed him because he had it against the Lakers. I'm just throwing that that's out there. right. You're right. I, now I remember yes. He did. He had that Bob against the Lakers. The it was like one of the last games. Bob the Cobb. <laughs> Not a nickname. <laughs> Pee-wee. <laughs> they call Bob Kaufman Pee-wee. That's amazing. Isn't that stunning? Isn't that stunning that one triple-double puts you on the all-time top ten list for the Clippers? That is God. <laughs> that is – you You should let the Clippers know this, Jovan. <laughs> like you, you should make sure they're aware of this. Like It might motivate them. For, for what lies ahead. <laughs> Your mom says shalom. <laughs> but seriously, like that's something the Clippers, I think, need to be aware of in terms of like, you know, just how urgent it is to, you know, get to the Western Conference Finals and actually win a championship. Like, look at your all-time list, man. You can't have shit like that on your, on your top 10 list. You got to do something about that sort of thing. Got to clean that up. Um all right, uh, that that was that was uh, really the whole game was designed to get to that stat about the round. <laughs> uh, so, oh snap! From Trojan Williams, Kawhi will have all the Clippers records by the time he leaves in 2022. <laughs> real, real quick before we go, Jovan, do do you think there's any concern inside the organization, or how big the concern is? Because they gave up a lot all to bring thing. in to bring in those two. And then the first round pick that they traded to get Marcus Morris. Like, how much concern do you think there actually is that in a year they could end up holding like a really expensive bag? I I, I think right now it would be relatively low. Um, 
But with the way that they flamed out, I mean, I wrote, you can make the case this was the biggest playoff collapse in NBA history when, when considering that they held those leads in the second halves of those games. Um, you know, not necessarily stakes-wise, obviously Warriors-Cavs or, or Warriors-Thunder and, and different other series. But um, when looking at the fact that they were in control uh, of all three of those games at some point and, and blew it, this might have been the biggest playoff collapse in NBA history. And to have that in year one, that puts so much pressure on year two. And, and I, I think, um, you know, I, I do expect Doc Rivers to be back next season. But if they don't make the conference finals – you know, I, I don't know if you reevaluate that, um, you know, I, I don't know what Kawhi or PG do in free agency at that point. You know, it, it was supposed to be easiest really in year one. I mean, we just talked about how deep the West is. Um, you know, frankly, I, I think if looking at their their path, like this was theoretically like your easiest path you're going to have over the next few years. Right. Um, again, all these teams are going to get better. Warriors going to be back. Nets will be there next season. Um, so. Uh, again, like I, I think as of right now, it, it's a low concern. But if you flame out again in, in round one or two, even losing in the conference finals, I think it, it w- would be something that would give them some concern. So I do think there's a lot of pressure on the Clippers going to next season, which is why, even though I think there's a realistic chance they run it back, if they don't and, and you see them make drastic changes, I think it's because they realize how short this window could be and how much they need to win next season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's amazing the way that pressure formed so quickly. Like, I mean, it, when I would say they were probably considered the consensus favorite to win it all, at least in the preseason heading into this yeah, thing, whether sure. you looked at like ESPN, The Athletic, all these different uh, places with uh, NBA pundits. And there is going to be a ton of pressure on them. But, you know, at the same time, we don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers. You could have two teams in L.A. and, you know, with a ton of pressure on them heading into next year. So whoever says I've been on this stream a few times, you guys never replied. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming. There you go. And we're replying now. Uh, We appreciate it. Everybody. We're trying, Uh, but we do appreciate you coming on and I will, we'll look for you and, uh, and we'll do. Oh, let's see here. All right. Well, that's, I think that's it. That's all we got. Um, Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, We'll try to do this again. uh, You know, cause you know, Clippers fans, uh, are sad and Lakers fans love to hear from uh, about what happened to the Clippers. So, I mean, you've always got a home here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no circumstance that, uh, you know, they may not want to hear from you right now, but uh, Lakers fans do. Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah, bring back Yovan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laker fans definitely love roasting me on Twitter, but I, yeah. I embrace well, it. As I said from the beginning of this show, Yovan didn't collapse. Like Yovan's coverage remained oh, fantastic the entire time. Yeah, I mean, Thank you. the team collapsed. Yovan didn't collapse. You need to make sure that there is that uh, layer of separation. Uh, do you have anything to promote? Anything that anything uh, people should be looking for? Um, I would say just uh, check out my coverage uh, on The Athletic today. I wrote about Clippers free agency, uh, some of the things I, I, I've heard with with Trez and, and Marcus Morris and Jermichael Green. Um, and check out the Clip City podcast if you want to uh, make fun of me some more. <laughs> we, we will uh, we'll tweet the story out and, and all that. And again, congratulations on the big win, 15-3. to three. It is very rare for games to be that lopsided. I got smoked. 
Yeah, tomorrow night, Dragonfly Jones will keep the uh, the basketball talk going after game four. Oh, four. I'm really bad at counting. Uh, after game four, Friday, Mike Sando and uh, talking NFL. And Monday, we're back to basketball uh, with Jason Jones, who uh, covers our friend Luke Walden now up in uh, Sacramento. It's just a great NBA guy for the athletics. So um, thanks to everybody for coming, uh, sitting in the chat. Thanks to Jovan's mom uh, and to Jovan. Uh, and we'll do it again soon. Talk to you tomorrow.